Welcome to the Dirt Show brought to you by Napa Auto Parts. And today I'm going to be joined by NASCAR legend Jeff Bodine. We'll also hear from Cole Queensland from Deer Creek Speedway, Billy Steinberg from Weir's Machine, and our old friend Speed the Sauce Man from Cookies Barbecue Sauces and Seasonings right after a few words from our sponsors. Partnering with hog and cattle producers throughout the United States, Altenburg Construction has almost 30 years of experience in the slat replacement business. Altenburg Construction also uses a custom wash bay to ensure biosecurity to protect your herd. Whether you need an entire site or a single slat, stop into one of their two locations in Louisville, Minnesota or Zering, Iowa. Call 888 435 2210 or see altenburgconstruction.com Get more muscle for your money with Dixie Chopper Lawn Mowers. We've been handcrafting the toughest and fastest zero-turn mowers for over 40 years. Dixie Chopper offers a full line of residential, commercial, and industrial mowers to meet every customer's needs. Visit your local Dixie Chopper dealer today or visit online at DixieChopper.com When one of your appliances breaks down, you need help and you need it fast. Contact Sorensen's Appliance Service. Racer owner Ben Bainey and racer Travis Underdahl service the entire cow's listening area. Sorensen's Appliance Service. People you know that will get your appliances serviced with trained technicians. Contact them today at 256-7766. That's 256-7766. Are you looking to join a team of hardworking and motivated individuals? Look no further than Bulldog Coatings. We are the industry leader in concrete coatings and we are looking for full-time installers. We are located in Faribault and install in southern Minnesota in the Twin Cities. Experiencing concrete is awesome, but not required. We are happy to train qualified candidates. Join us and enjoy working outdoors, learning new skills, and becoming part of a great team. Contact us to apply now and be part of something great at Bulldog Coatings. BulldogCoatingsMN.com Shevland Enterprises, your locally owned and operated sanitation and recycling service, offers the highest quality garbage removal, trash pickup services, and roll-off dumpsters at great rates. Commercial, residential, construction, and industrial trash removal and recycling in Owatonna and the surrounding areas in Dodge and Steel Counties. Contact Shevland Enterprises today and new customers will get six months for the price of four if you prepay. Call 528-9900. That's 528-9900. We can all think back to the first time we experienced real horsepower. Hi, this is Corey at Byers Engine Service. Whether it's that pin-you-in-the-seat feeling of a big block Chevy, the roar of a healthy 340, or the joy of a perfectly tuned flathead, here at Byers Engine Service, we service them all. Strip to street, dirt track to asphalt, or just cruising the strip. Stop by and check us out at 2915 20th Street Southeast in Rochester. Or call 507-282-5586. Big jobs on big properties demand a big side-by-side. A side-by-side like the first-ever Honda Pioneer 1000 Deluxe Crew. This flagship model delivers serious power and performance where you need it most. Even more, it offers best-in-class comfort for six occupants with backseat legroom beyond compare. As for build quality, well, let the Honda name speak for itself. Head to Trimble's in Austin, Minnesota and see the all-new Pioneer 1000 Deluxe Crew today. Trimble's Cycle Center in Austin. Austin, USA's second oldest Honda dealer. Welcome back to the driver segment here on the Dirt Show, and it is my pleasure today to be joined by NASCAR legend Jeff Bodine. The Chemung Speedrome was built by the Bodine family in 1951. What is it like as a child growing up around this very cool quarter mile racetrack in New York State? 
<laughs> well, let me tell you. Yeah, I grew up on a farm, dairy farm, chicken farm. Local guys went to my father and grandfather and uh, asked them that they needed a racetrack. So they took a cornfield up in Shemung at the dairy farm and made a quarter-mile dirt track. Had a perfect side hill where people could sit and watch the races. didn't have to build grandstands that first few years. So it's it perfect. And, yeah, my first race, I was, uh, I don't remember. I was just a little guy, and, but I was there. My mother said I was there uh, uh, just uh, a baby. And, you know, as I grew up, of course, I got bigger, played with the other kids, and we'd run up and down the hills and roll around. And But then uh, I was about ready to turn five, and they built a little track inside for kids, micro midgets, they called them back then, little bricks and strutting engine on them. And so my father... He loved popular mechanics. He saw plans in there, how to build one. And I still remember going down to this dingy, dark shop in Waverly, New York, where my father and this fabricator built my first little race car. So I started racing when I was five. I mean, what a deal. Something a lot of kids would like to be able to do. Of course, you know, I worked, too. Now, when I got older at the racetrack, I mowed the grass, picked up the trash after the races, which I enjoyed that because... People lose money out of their pockets, so that's how I made my, my uh, wages, by picking up the loose money that I found in the ground. And, of course, then as I got older, I drove the tractor, the water truck, the grader, the, you know, man, I made more laps around that track on a tractor and a truck than anything. It's, it's amazing. I had uncles that raced. My father never raced. So as I got older, when I had time, I'd hang out at their garage, which is right next to the racetrack. And I had one uncle, really a great driver, Earl. And my other uncle, Maynard, and, and Uncle Jimmy, they were great builders, fabricators, designers. They built engines and designed how to build a car. And so I learned all that stuff from my uncles, the racing part of it. I learned the promoting part from my parents. My mother and father, uh, they did all that. But I learned how to work. Unfortunately, today, kids don't really know how to work. They don't want to work. I love working. I'm still working. Actually, I'm at a friend of mine's shop. He races Corvettes and Camaros at Sebring and Daytona and all that. So I'm here working on that car, and then I help another friend of mine that races New Smyrna in the late model. So I build their cars and maintain them and soup them up, and so I still love doing all that. It's just uh, I love work. I can't sit home. To sit down on a couch, when you get old, you're, you're going to sit there and die. So I don't sit down much. Fans remember you as a NASCAR driver, but you had a stellar racing career prior to ever getting involved in NASCAR. Talk about those early years of your career and some of the legendary tracks you raced. Yeah, I I started out at my father's track. They wouldn't let me drive until I was 18, graduated from high school. I built a car that winter, and so it was ready. I had actually my uncle drove it in the qualifying race because I was at graduation, and he won the heat race. Of course, when I got back to the track, I had to start last and ended up second in my first race. A new car, a new driver had to start last, so second wasn't bad. And actually, my commander said, well, darn, you might have won that thing. I said, what do you mean? Well, I didn't think you could handle wide-open throttle, so I didn't give you a wide-open throttle. I said, oh, you got to be kidding me. So I might have won my first race if I had wide-open throttle, but that's where I started at Shemong Street Room. And I raced there two years, and then I ended up with a ride in a modified car on asphalt. And that's where I started building race cars and racing more different tracks, which really helped me maintain a car. I drove the transporter. 
you know, first one was a Ford pickup truck with a trailer. <laughs> so I used to drive to the track, at the track, and home from the track. It was a dream of mine because when I was younger, our parents, I have an older sister and two brothers, of course, Brett and Todd. Uh, Denise is five years old and I am. But they'd take us to bring us to Daytona in the wintertime, and we'd go watch the Daytona 500. And all the way home, I'd tell them, one day I'm going to go to Daytona and I'm going to win. I'm going to race against my hero, Richard Petty and David Pearson, all those guys. And, of course, they all laughed. And I was a kid from Shimon, New York, and I never get to Daytona and race. But I kept working at it. I mean, that was my dream, my goal. Actually, in 1978, and I was racing NASCAR Modifieds for the last several years of my Modified career. And 78, I won 55 main events out of 84 starts. It's in the Guinness Book of Records. It's the most wins a uh, NASCAR driver in a NASCAR series has won in one season. So, you know, we're proud of all those things and brought a lot of technology to racing, the small clutch that everyone uses now around the world, power steering, the modern-day seat. I was part of that development. So, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that stuff even more than my racing career, actually. The full-face helmet. I can't forget the full-face helmet. You know, back when I got into... NASCAR, they were using open-face helmets. They were cooler. You know, nobody thought about a full-face helmet. Of course, IndyCar's guys were using them. And I'd use one in my modified days. And then when I ran late models, when I moved south, I used a full-face helmet then also. And when I went to Cup, I just carried my helmet in with me and put it on. And Dale Earnhardt Sr., I wish he'd still here, but he used to make fun of my helmet. He said, no wonder you keep backing into me. You can't see out of that thing. I said, Dale, I don't think I'm backing into you. I think you're going into me, but we used to kid about it. But I had a crash in Bakken Glen on the road course before they had that bus stop. And we'd go on the corner and the back straightaway about 170, 75. And you can only go around that corner. It's downhill, pretty sharp corner, uh, maybe 80 or 90. But I blew a brake rotor going in that corner. And I ended up getting off the track. thought I was going to kill myself that day. I thought I was going to hit a tree. Thank God I didn't, but I hit the uh, catch fence, which was back then they had tires, a guardrail, steel guardrail, then the big cable fence. My car stopped, didn't go through the cable. The cable caught me and it stopped pretty quick. Well, I had a camera in the car and the camera swung around and it filmed my head going into the steering wheel. Well, if I hadn't had the full face helmet, it's obvious I would have had some pretty major damage. Of course, a lot of drivers saw that crash on TV, the replays, and the next week, half the field had a full-face helmet, and then everyone ended up running a full-face helmet except two guys. One was Jimmy Spencer, and one was the late Dale Earnhardt Sr. I don't know why they didn't wear them. Well, I know why Dale didn't wear them. It's because I, <laughs> he didn't like me. We didn't get along too good, if you don't remember that. We had our scrapes and bangs out on the racetrack, but he wouldn't wear it because I'm the guy that brought it to NASCAR, and uh, but everyone else ended up wearing it. So full-face helmets, power steering, modern-day clutch, uh, the modern-day seat, pretty proud of all those things. And speaking of technology and innovation, looking back at those East Coast Modifieds you race, they were beautiful-looking cars. Just like around here, you can see the transition from your Mint Chevrolet Quaker State Vega-bodied Modified to the sleek, low-profile of your track record setting, white with the gold number 99. White tornado, we called it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that that was building race in 80, 81. And today's cars look very similar to that. Low, the bodies are the same. 
they've added some safety features that we didn't have back then, but the frames, everything is pretty close to what we used to run back then. So, again, proud of that. Uh, that design that maintained that many years, they're still using it. In 1982, you were the NASCAR Rookie of the Year. When and how did you get hooked up with Levi Garrett? Well, yeah, I was driving for Cliff Stewart, uh, Spectrum Furniture Car, number 50, and then we ended up with the Gatorade sponsorship the second year with Cliff. That's when crew chief Harry Hyde went to Rick Henrik. Rick Henrik went to Harry Hyde and said, I want a race team. I want a NASCAR Cup team. Of course, you know, okay, Harry said, that's fine. You know, now we got to find a driver. So they actually called Richard Petty. They called Dale Earnhardt Sr. And they called the late Tim Richmond, who ended up being my teammate with Rick Henrik. But none of them wanted to go with a new team owner, Rick Henrik. He was a small car dealer back then and so Harry called me up and said, hey, Bodon, I got a car guy down here, really great guy, Rick Henry. He wants to start a team and we want to talk to you about driving. So I went down to City Chevrolet, his main dealership back then, right in Charlotte, and we talked and chatted. And Rick said, well, I don't know. I can probably guarantee about 15 races, that's all. We'll see how it goes. We need a sponsor. And I had a full deal with Cliff Stewart, but I wanted, <laughs> and Rick knows this, I've told him many times, I wanted to work with Harry Hyde. He was a winning crew chief. So uh, they said, you know, we'll talk about it and we'll give you a call. But back then, we didn't have cell phones, of course, a long time ago. And I said, man, my phone might not ring. I hate to go home. I said, Rick, you mind if I just wait out in your waiting room here for your answer? <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah, sure. And it only took about five minutes. And they came out and said, man, you're waiting here for an answer. You're our driver. <laughs> That's how I got hired for with Rick Henrik, and of course the story goes, and he's told it many times, that after our seventh race, he was going to shut the doors. He'd run out of money. Holy cow. He told Harry and I and I that, and a heart stopped. Well, Harry convinced him to let us go to Martinsville, our eighth race, and he said, Rick, the car's ready. The engine's in it. Everything's ready to go. We might have to get a couple cars, and that's it, but everything's ready. Let us go. That Bodine, he's won some races up there. I won in modifies and in the late model series, so uh, yeah, I I've won some races up there. I've won a total of 15 races there in my career. I think four with Cup. But anyway, Rick said, yeah, okay, go ahead. He went to uh, Greensboro with his wife to a church convention, conference. He wasn't in at the racetrack. And, of course, you know, we won the race. He didn't shut the doors. And Hendricks Motorsports has grown into a huge, tremendous race team. You also ran 12th in what I consider the most historic race in NASCAR history, the 1984 Firecracker 400 when Richard Petty won his 200th victory. What do you remember about that whole event? I know Richard had a big engine. (laughs) That's for sure. Yeah, he won the race. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things I don't remember in my career, and I can't bring that race back to memory. I had to go talk to my brothers a lot and ask them what happened at this race or that race. I can't remember. I was still focused on what was going on with me. and So I really don't know. I wish I did. He won the race. Back in those days, race fans, there was a lot of, well, it wasn't cheating. It's not cheating until you get caught. It was a lot of teams bent the rules. <laughs> and they, they got away with it because NASCAR didn't have the inspection team and the knowledge of what was going on back then. So you could get away with a lot of stuff that wasn't exactly legal. And actually, I'm writing a book 
It'll come out one day. I'm not sure when. I don't have it finished. The title of the book is Daytona 500 champion Jeff Bodine tells the rest of the story. The rest of the story. Old Paul Harvey. I love that when he told the rest of the story. And that's what I want to do about NASCAR. It'll be about my career, of course. And then it'll be about NASCAR, things that went on in NASCAR that I know about, cheating and budging the rules and all those things. And then the last chapter is about my faith in God and how it's affected my life and my career. So that's actually the most important part. But I'm sure people will want to hear some of the things, the way drivers and engine builders got away with budging the rules. So the book will be out here one day. I'll let you know when it is. Speaking of the Daytona 500, in 1986, you won the granddaddy of them all. Did you feel like you had a great car going into that particular race? Yeah, that was my first race with Gary Nelson as a crew chief. And Gary was a pretty smart guy, uh, very smart. And we had a, a crazy setup in the car back in those days. Different tires and the bodies and aerodynamics, downforce. Had really soft springs, but man, it handled great. In a qualifying race, I drafted by Earnhardt Sr. down the back straightaway and flying into turn three and four and ended up spinning out coming off of turn four and didn't hit anything. Bill France Jr. came over to me after that and he said, hey, Lucky, how are you doing? I said, what do you mean, Lucky? You were lucky. You didn't hit anything. I said, nah, that's just for skill. I knew what I was doing. <laughs> Thank God we didn't hit anything. And But we knew the car was fast and Earnhardt and I were the class of the field that day. He and I raced back and forth. He'd lead some and I'd lead some. At the end, we made a final pit stop. We just got gas, and Earnhardt came in after we did, and he slid through his pits. Back then, you didn't have a pit road speed. He slid through his pits, so I had to back up, so it cost him more time. Well, he came out about a straightaway behind me, back straightaway behind me. And, you know, I knew our gas was going to be close, so I was just saving my gas. He was going wide open trying to catch me. Well, he caught me. I wanted to draft behind him. I kept waving him by. <laughs> He kept waving, no, I'm not going by. I kept waving, come on, pass me. I'd slow down, and he wouldn't pass me. He was drafting me. Of course, everyone knows, I think it was two laps to go or whatever it was, he ran out of gas coming off turn four. I started yelling on the radio, he's out of gas, he's out of gas. In that last couple laps, I was drafting behind Benny Parsons, and I think Phil Parsons was out there too, and, man, tears were coming down my eyes. Please, guys, just let me finish this race. I kept watching the fuel pressure gauge. It was bouncing around, and... We ended up finishing, and boy, what a what a day. I mean, it was pretty early in my career, and that was what my career was about, was to win Daytona. And so, actually, I, I was saying, what the heck am I going to do now? Do I retire? You know, I accomplished my goal, went into the Daytona 500, and then it didn't take long before I, I said, no, I just want to win more. <laughs> so, I'm glad I didn't retire. I just started racing harder and trying to win more races. You love to qualify one-on-one, just you and the track. And you've laid down some epic laps in your career, like the one at Atlanta when you blew the field away running 10 miles an hour faster than the entire field. That was uh, Goodyear tires, too. A lot of people think it might have been on Hoosiers. No, it was Goodyear. They just had repaved the track. And, man, I was driving my own car. Tim Brewer was helping back then and we ran some fast practice laps and of course everyone's excited because i told tim i said tim i think i can run around here wide open he goes what i said man this car's thick and like glue and if i can get through one and two wide open i know i can get through three and four and he said 
Tim was a great guy. He's funny. He said, well, go for it. And I did. You know, I went down in a one and two and never lifted. It was a little sketchy because coming up two, they had a patch in the track. And I said, man, I can't, I got to straddle that patch. Or, you know, I'll lose traction. And I straddled it, but it wiggled. But I made it through there. I said, well, three and four is going to be a lot easier corner than one and two. Not as tight. I got down in the corner. Man, I'm coming out. I said, perfect. But they had some bumps in the track, little ripples. And the front of my car started moving a little bit. Well, when it moved and went up, of course, it wanted to slide out a little. So I had to just get off the gas pedal a little bit to get through that section. Of course, they told me the time and the speed. And I said, darn it. I wanted to go 180. I was disappointed. But everyone else said, you are crazy running wide open around the track. My brothers came over there watching on TV, and they're hollering, you know how fast you're going into turn one? I said, well, no. They're about 215 miles an hour. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, They said, you're crazy. <laughs> I love qualifying, though. I really did. I was a huge fan of the original IROC series, equal cars with drivers from all forms of racing. You won that series in 87. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Thank everyone for inviting me to it. And Ray Abraham was managing all the cars, and they were absolutely very, very close. Very good cars, equal for drivers. And, yeah, I mean, what a thrill to race against some of the best drivers in the world to come out on top. Yeah, quite a quite a feat, and really proud of that. Yeah, a lot of fun. Your last NASCAR win was 1996 Watkins Glen. That really shows your versatility as a driver to be able to win at Martinsville, a bull ring, then at Daytona Super Speedway, and then at a road course at the Glen. Well, you know, I won the old Riverside track. I won at Cedar Point, and then at Watkins. I should have won a couple more road races, but mechanical problems and things like that. I was just uh, not to, but yeah, and I won IROC there, which I beat the L. Hunter Jr., who was a great road race driver, and I think his dad was in it, and all the other guys, too, and so that was quite a feat. But yeah, the win at the cup race, that's close to home, New York State, and uh, I raced snowmobiles there. Yeah, I did. Crazy. When I was younger, and I raced the Modified there. So I really wanted to win that race, but we are going through a time when well, you're going to have to read the book. I'm not going to tell you this story. This is a great story, and, but so thankful. Okay, I'll tell you part of it. We figured out that we only needed the pit twice to make the whole race on gas. So the first caution came out way too early before we needed the pit, and everyone's pitting like normal. Yellow flags, everyone pits. I didn't pit. A crew chief kept hollering on the radio, you got to pit. I said, no, I'm not going to pit. You got a pit. You got a pit. I said, look, I own a car. I'm driving a car. I'm not pitting. I went right past the pits. Everyone's going, uh-oh, boat on screwed up. Well, we weren't in our lap window where I could pit. So green came out. We're running good on old tires and no problem. And the lap where we needed to pit came up. I could pit it on a green flag. Now everyone's saying, what the heck is he doing? And so we go back out and cautions come out and they pit again and I didn't pit. They what? They couldn't figure out what the plan was. <laughs> well, Kenny Schrader was driving a Hendrick Motorsports car to 25, I think it was. And well, we got to our next pit window and we pitted. Nobody else did. Carson came out, everyone pitted. We didn't. Well, Schrader and that team figured out what we were doing. So they stayed out with us. And, you know, we had a fast car. And man, I'm driving my butt off trying to pass him. I said, well, this isn't working. So I slowed down. Well, Kenny slowed down. I slowed down going into turn one downhill. 
90 degree corner and he kept slowing down well it finally came the right time so i jammed it down in there well kenny you know looking in the mirror he kind of panicked and he drove it in there too deep got a little too high and i got under him and passed him up through the s's and just pulled away and so we showed everybody that you don't have to pit every time on a road course Track position is so critical that we taught them how to road race. And so now a lot of teams do that same strategy on the road courses. doesn't always work out, but it did for us that day. Off the racetrack, you got involved in bobsleds and were recently inducted into the Bobsled and Skeleton Hall of Fame, building the sled that won gold in the 2010 Winter Olympics. Well, you know, I'm very blessed. You know, I should be dead. That crash I had in Daytona, 2000 in the truck race, there's no question. I mean, the cage was ripped off the front, cut off at my feet. Another truck hit me and fire and, uh, you know, spectacular, I call it. And The Lord saved me. There's no question. You know, my faith was strong before that crash, very strong. Of course, it still is, but there's no question he saved me that day. And we're very thankful for that. And I give... I give the credit to my career, to my success, to being a good driver, to being a better designer, fabricator. The Lord led me to do this bobsled thing. Well, I mean, why would a NASCAR guy get involved in bobsledding? Come on. I never went to Lake Placid. I lived in New York, never went there, never skied. But I saw I was watching the Olympics, and uh, the announcer, John Morgan, said our American kids weren't doing well, and maybe it was because they had to buy and use European equipment. And I said, what? They're not using Made in USA? I love the United States. I was in the National Guard for six years. My dad was in World War II, got shot in the butt. You know, I love Made in USA. That's how I got involved in bobsledding. But it's, it's God gave me the inspiration to do it. And I'll take all the credit for my life for all the screw-ups. They're on me. But all the good things I give the Lord the credit for, he definitely has blessed me through my career. We also have something else in common other than racing. You like to do a little cooking, and your food looks pretty awesome. <laughs> well, my wife does the cooking. She just puts me there to let people think I do it. But no, my, my wife, Lori, she's a cook, and I can do a little grilling or something. But we have a Rectech grill, and if you don't have one, you need to get one. It's a smoker grill. It's awesome. And she does all the cooking, though. She's a lot better at that. I do all the cleaning. I do the dishes and clean up, and that's my part of the, the deal. Named to NASCAR's Winston Cup Top 50 Drivers of All Time. That has to mean a lot to you. Oh, yeah. When they came out with that, it was great. That was the reporters and media people voted on that. And I feel really fortunate. And I don't know if you bring it up. The NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, a lot of people think I should be on it, but you know what? Doesn't matter. Same with bobsledding. I didn't do the bobsled project to be put in a Hall of Fame. I didn't do it for that. I did it for our kids. We built American-made bobsleds, and we didn't sell them. They used them free, and actually, they're still using some. <laughs> I mean, they're 30 years old, and they're still using them, which is amazing. But I didn't do any of that for any. Hall of Fame or any glory. I don't need to be in a NASCAR Hall of Fame. I know what I did in racing, and the record books will show it, and my book will tell about it, and these interviews tell a little bit about it. So NASCAR and I, we, we don't get along too good, never have, so I don't expect to ever be put into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. 
Jeff, the record books absolutely do show it. Thank you so much for being with us here on The Dirt Show. What an amazing career, and can't wait to get one of the first publications of that new book when it comes out. Okay, well, I'll let everyone know. I appreciate you letting me on your show and talking to fans, telling a few stories, and a lot more stories that will be told and they'll be in the book. And I thank God for all of them. There's some ones I screwed up. They'll be in the book, too. So <laughs> they won't all be good, but we're looking forward to getting it out and letting fans see it and read it. And maybe I'll do an audio book, too. That way I can add a little, a little bit. Race fans, mark your calendars for May 1st through October 1st this summer as the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum presents our track tribute to Williams Grove Speedway inside our museum. You'll see 10 of the iconic race cars that made Williams Grove Speedway the East Coast's place to race since 1939. Sprint cars driven by Jan Opperman, Doug Wolfgang, Smokey Snowbaker, Van May, and many more. Plus, you'll enjoy the Williams Grove Speedway highlights videos that go along with these race cars and the days they raced. That's the track tribute to Williams Grove Speedway exhibit at the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum starting May 1st in Knoxville. And don't forget, the National Sprint Car Hall of Fame and Museum is open year-round, seven days a week, in Knoxville. Extreme! Why choose powder coating over liquid paint finishes? Maximum durability. Extreme Powder Coating offers a scientific process that uses electricity and heat to bake the colorful finish deep into your product. Extreme can deliver media blasting, impact-resistant epoxy primers, and durable powder coat applications to meet your needs. Custom colors and exhaust coatings are available also. Visit ExtremePowderCoating.net for more information. Fast shafts. Drive shafts are used by Jake Tim, Tom Barry Jr., Derek Ramirez, Kyle Strickler, Jonathan Davenport, Derek Green, Dalen Murdy, and more. And they currently build drive shafts for 90% of the major chassis builders. Fast shafts is also a longtime title sponsor of the IMCA Fast Shafts All Star Invitational at the IMCA Super Nationals and support a number of competitive series nationwide. Buy directly from Fast Shafts or from their network of dealers. Shipping daily across the country or worldwide. See FastShafts.com. BP Racing Fuels is proud to be recognized as a world leader in race fuel technology. BP's fuels have a well-deserved reputation for power and consistency, winning championships in every form of motorsports for more than 40 years. Whether sportsman or pro, methanol or gasoline, BP has a fuel to ensure optimum performance for your application. See the full line of BP's high-performance products online at VPRacingFuels.com. At VP Racing Fuels, our passion is your performance. If you have a vehicle accident, go with a professional. Bob and his staff at Midwest Collision are the definition of professionals. For over 42 years, they have dedicated their lives to collision repair along with the training, knowledge, and skills that come with the job. Go with the pros. Midwest Collision in Faribault, 507-332-2434. Does your car suffer from rough idling installing? Does it hesitate when you take off from the traffic light? If it does, it could be due to dirty fuel injectors. Clean your car's fuel injection system with Justice Brothers Fuel Injection System Cleaner. It cleans the important parts of your fuel system and helps to restore normal operation. And it's guaranteed to satisfy or your money back. Available wherever fine automotive products are sold. See our display at Runnings. Tell them Ed Justice Jr. sent you. 
You already know, Rhino Ag builds the most robust tractor accessories in the agriculture industry. Ever wondered what a Rhino would cost? Go to rhinoag.com and click on the Build Your Rhino tab. Select the product and spec it out with any option we offer. As always, contact your local dealer for any finance specials or seasonal offers at rhinoag.com. Welcome back here on The Dirt Show, and I am joined by Cole Queensland from Deer Creek Speedway. And Cole, we were at the indoor car show in Rochester a couple weeks ago. Not the best day for the weather for towing a race car into the show, but it turned out to be great attendance, a great show. And your racing opener is right around the corner, April 22nd. But knowing you, unless you get to spend some quality time on that racetrack and can have a good track for the drivers and the fans, make sure you check into that date before you tow over, correct? Yeah, you're correct, Clay. And uh, we got to thank the folks at Rochester Chevrolet up there for uh, putting in all the effort to still host that car show. It wasn't ideal conditions in the morning, but turned out to be a great day. Uh, we had a great fan turnout at it, and everything was good there. Like we told everybody at the car show at the end, you know, as they could see outside, yes, it, Mother Nature is still fighting us pretty hard here, and we want to make sure that racetrack's ready when we're going to go green flag racing. And we're going to evaluate things here over the weekend and early next week. But fairly high chance everything's going to probably get pushed back a week. But tentatively, everything is still on as scheduled. But uh, stay tuned to the, the website and social media as we're going to start being updating things here uh, real soon with some race day updates and uh, when practice will be. You are also adding a new weekly class to the lineup, the USRA Hobby Stocks. Yeah, we're very excited about that. Last year, we brought in the uh, USRA Stock Cars, and they were a great addition to the weekly racing. Uh, their numbers grew throughout the year, and I think in August, they're uh, we we weren't less than uh, 22 cars a night, and I think they topped 28 one night. So we're very excited to bring in the USRA Hobby Stocks in and hopefully see the same results out of them. We got high expectations for them. There's a fair amount of cars already in the area, so I think the car count's going to start out fairly strong, and we're hoping to see that even grow and evolve. We've been hearing some names of guys that may be traveling in to race with us here and there, so it should be very exciting to see uh, some of our local guys step up into it and also see maybe some uh the regional talent too through usra showing up every now and then to uh, try to challenge some of the locals may 25th 26th 27th the usmts is at the track for three nights and when they're at the track for three nights that means big car count yeah the the may event's going to sim- be real similar to the fall jamborees todd with usmts changed a lot of this format and put them all kind of at three-day events to help the racers out with travel costs and stuff. And we like the May placement because it does put it at the front side of our schedule. So we kind of have a start of the year one and an end of the year with the Jamboree. And the car counts tend to really pick up when they have the multi-day. Guys do like that. They don't have to travel. You know, it's easier to pull cars even from the north for us down. Um, they get three full nights of racing. And, and there's going to be great payout. The modifies the race for 3000 on Thursday, 5000 on uh, Friday, and 10000 on Saturday. So it'll be three great nights of racing. The end of June, some great racing with pink out night. And then you go directly into the Thunder Summer Series with Mississippi Thunder Speedway. You guys have teamed up to put four nights of racing together. So again, when you can tow down and race that many times, you get the car count up. Yeah, we're excited to be uh, working with Mississippi Thunder more and more. And this year, we have a lot of events on the schedule that are kind of pairing up with them. This one in particular, the June 24th and July 1st weekends, to be able to go back and forth 
have great payout for the the USRB mods and the USRB modifieds. All the other weekly divisions are going to be racing, but uh, them two classes are going to be featured at both tracks. And there's also going to be a uh, point fund combined after the four nights of racing as well for the drivers I'll be chasing. So USRB mods will be racing each night for a thousand to win with a thousand to win point fund, and USRB modifieds will be chasing two thousand dollars each night with a two thousand dollar to win point fund. So. We're very excited to be working with Bob and Tyrone on that stuff and looking forward to doing more in the future. Then back in July, the 6th, 7th, and 8th, with three nights of late models with the Lucas Oil late model Gopher 50. Yeah, last year we took a chance at that event and kind of stepped it up to the next level, and we're very excited we did. Uh, we just had another Gopher 50 meeting the other day, and everybody's on board. We're trying to brainstorm this thing to make it even bigger and better, even bringing in some ideas for the fans. Just some more entertainment overall, just to make the atmosphere that much better. So we're very excited. Lucas Oil is a great, great series to work with, the talent they bring in. That show last year was phenomenal racing all three nights, and to see them chasing 50000 to win on Saturday night was pretty cool. It's a show you're not going to want to miss. Looking at your schedule, this has got to be the best schedule I've ever seen since the track has been open. July 15th, Tasseldega Nights, free racing for all of the fans. August 8th, the Harris Clash. If you have not seen that show, what a tremendous show. And then August 19th, the Dirt Nights Late Model Tour. And you are teaming up again on that with Mississippi Thunder. They're going to be there on August 18th and your track on August 19th. Yeah, that's another fun one we're looking at in August with the Dirt Kings. First time they've ever been over here, so we're really looking forward to it. Talking with them, they're all excited as well. And like you mentioned, this is another one of them events that we're teaming up with Mississippi Thunder to try to make it a possibility for these guys. It's a long ways over here for them to come, but for us to be able to put together a Friday-Saturday event for them, and, and we're each going to pay 5000 to win on Friday and Saturday. So it makes it worthwhile, and it's also a lure to them guys to get them over here. So we should have some great car counts and some great racing between that. The Harris Clash, there's not enough to say about that event. Uh, them guys race hard, green, green flag to checkered flag in every race. Uh, it is something to see them IMCA Modified and Sport Mods put on one of the greatest shows out there. And uh, we got to thank the local county corn growers in our area for that task bag of nights. You know, who can argue with free entry to the grandstands? Let's fill that place up. Let's have some fun and put on some great racing. Another night where the USRA stock cars can make some big money is they can tow in for September 15th at Mississippi Thunder, then come to Deer Creek on Saturday night, September 16th, and then head to Mason City Motor Speedway on Sunday the 17th, get three nights of racing in with their stock cars, and go for some big cash. Yeah, the Stock Car Nationals was an event a few years ago that uh, we really had visions and hopes that it would get to the point it, it is getting to today. I guess I'll, I'll put it because when we first started out, it was a 2,000-win show. We wanted it to be more, wanted it to be bigger, but we knew it had to grow. We didn't want it to be a one-and-done show. So we started there, and then it went to 5,000, and now it's evolved, thanks to Altenburg Construction, up to a 10,000-win show on Saturday night. It's great to be working with Mississippi Thunder once again, having them put on the Friday night show and the Mason City on Sunday. So now we got a three-night swing for these guys. They're going to be racing for great money all three nights. Um, you should see, uh, I'm hoping, a record car count for that event with the stock cars, and you'll probably see some of the top talent, not even from around here, but regionally and maybe even nationally, some guys traveling in, because that is a... Uh, Really good check for stock car guys. One other event, not to forget, 
is Labor Day weekend. We're also partnering up with Mississippi Thunder and Mason City as well. That'll be a Friday, Saturday, Sunday weekend. <clears throat> We're all paying, I believe, 3000 to win for the USRA Modified, so that should be a great weekend of racing uh, between the three racetracks as well. Cole, it's really super to see all the collaboration between the local tracks and bringing the best drivers, the best fans into the tracks to watch all of this. You end the season with the USMTS Fall Jamboree. Yeah, that's been our marquee event now for 20-some years. You know, back when we first purchased the facility 21 years ago, that was an event we kind of targeted and went down and met with Todd on. And that's been a great event for both of us. And it's kind of put us on the map a little bit in the racing world, especially in the modified. And there's not a better way for us to end our season than with that Featherlight Fall Jamboree. Three great nights of racing. All the top talent in the nation and modifieds are there. 3,000 on Thursday, 5,000 Friday, and 12,000 on Saturday. Them guys, they go all out. It's the end of the year. They want to put on a show. They want to check. But ultimately, they want to be crowned the uh, Fall Jamboree champion as well because that's kind of like Daytona to them guys, you know, being able to hold up that Harley J. Earl trophy, being in victory lane at the Jamboree. That's all an event they want to be able to put down on their resume. Cole, if they'd like more information on Deer Creek Speedway or they'd like to print off one of your schedules, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, find all of our information, uh, deercreekspeedway.com. There's a schedule page on there. There'll be a principal version of our schedule that you can find, print, download, whatever you'd like to do. And also uh, race day updates and everything. Stay tuned to our Facebook page. Many race day updates. Facebook will be what's first updated. Then, you know, we update our website accordingly with it. But Facebook and the website. Cole, thanks for being with us here on the Dirt Show today. You bet. I appreciate it, Clint. At Arrow Race Wheels, they put their customers first and appreciate the loyalty the racers have for the company. Arrow Race Wheels is willing to work with anyone who has a question or problem. The only way to stay on top is to listen to the people putting us there. If you want to run with the winners, see aeroracingwheels.com or call 888-895-2376 today. Since 1997, Weir's Machine has been innovating the finest products in the racing industry. We also manufacture the Ultra Force Load Machines and develop the Ultra Force Suspension Software, which allows you to take your program to the next level. Be sure to check out the all-new Circle Track app your ultimate go-to spot for race team information. Keep track of your maintenance schedule, parts list, car setups, and more. Proudly made in the USA, champions across the country choose Weir's Machine, Ultra Force, and the Circle Track app to take them to victory lane. Shop now at weirsmachine.com, ultraforcetech.com, and the all-new circletrackapp.com. Follow us on all of our social media platforms at Weir's Machine. Packaging the impossible inside the possible through service, quality, and expertise. Hi, this is Holly, the new general manager at Foamcraft Packaging. We are your foam and wood packaging experts in Minnesota. If you are a business owner or in charge of your packaging, we want to talk to you. We specialize in designing and manufacturing wood crates, pallets, and foam inserts and are here to help keep your products protected in transit. We are here to help you. Visit us at foamcraftpackaging.com. If you're in need of a worry-free power lift door, then you'll want to stop and talk with Rod French. 
make a statement with a Powerlift architectural door on your home or cabin. Powerlift doors can be retrofitted to fit an existing door opening or designed into your next commercial, agricultural, livestock, or aircraft hangar build. Stylish, functional, and built to last. Powerlift doors by French's Manufacturing are made locally in Dodge Center, Minnesota by their experienced craftsmen. Contact Kelly or Rod. Powerlift doors by French's Manufacturing. 374-9306. Let me tell you, friends, about our stores, a great place we call Miners Outdoor. Miners Outdoor, your total source Husqvarna dealer in Blooming Prairie, has everything your yard needs. From chainsaws, leaf blowers, and weed trimmers to zero-turn mowers and everything in between. That's what being your Husqvarna total source dealer is all about. Stop in today to see the best selection in quality Husqvarna outdoor power equipment. That's Miners Outdoor, Highway 218, Blooming Prairie. Miners Outdoor, Major Tough. Welcome back here on The Dirt Show, and I am joined by Billy Steinberg, better known as Billy the Kid, number 83. And Billy, one thing that we've discussed is you use all the Weir's machine products on your car, which is very interesting. You're kind of like the tech support and also the test and tune guy. <laughs> yeah, so I've been working for Weir's Machine for three years now awesome amazing company love my job you know not too many people can wake up every morning and be excited to go to work I'm one of the engineers there so me and chad weirs can sit down and design all the cool stuff that everyone gets to put on their race cars usually when someone calls and they got a tech question usually either they get steve bachman or they get chad or they get me you know all three guys you know we all obviously know how to use the weirs parts and use them on our cars already and i think people like that being able to call and talk to someone who actually has the knowledge of how to use them physically putting them on the car and can talk to those customers through if they get kind of stuck in a bind somewhere that's what's really interesting when we had this conversation last year i can imagine a driver calling you and you can literally know what he's feeling by listening to what he's telling you on the phone and not only can you tell him here's the issue i'm having but provide a solution yeah, no, and I think that definitely is uh, useful to a lot of people, especially newer drivers. They just picked up a used race car or something and say it's not set up for their sanctioning body currently. And they call and they're like, hey, I honestly don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm trying to turn this car into this. And us having that knowledge, we can just pretty much give them a list like, hey, you need this, 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 and this, and this. And oh, awesome, man. You just thank you. That just saved me so much time and trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do here and then walking them through the steps. Again, like I said, new, new guys, and they order our parts, and they're trying to install, and they get stuck, they can call us, and we walk them right through it. Billy, the car looks beautiful. Good luck for the 2023 season, and can't wait to finally get out to the racetrack. Thank you, sir, and I appreciate your time, and thanks for uh, talking to me today. Hey, Dirt Show listeners. For over 20 years, Hot Rod Hardware in West Concord, Minnesota, has provided everything to modernize and improve your hot rod's performance. Hot Rod Hardware is your specialty aftermarket auto parts go-to solution. From radiators and brakes to suspension, handling, and power. From the drag strip to the street, dirt track to cruise nights, Hot Rod Hardware is your family-owned solution. Check us out at hotrodhardware.com or just call the guys at 507 527 1020, where as they say, no robots, just real people. Hi, this is Steve from Poles Electric. Do you have electrical projects in your future? Poles Electric can help. Poles Electric offers industrial, commercial, farm, and residential electrical services in Minnesota and Northern Iowa. We have 24-hour emergency service, design build, automation, underground boring, solar installation, and much more. Poles Electric has a great staff 
and can assist you with your electrical needs. Look us up at coleselectric.com or call us at 507-451-1387. Does good food get your heart racing? How about food that's prepared to perfection with your favorite sauces and seasonings? Friends, it's Speed the Sauce Man, and I'm here to tell you that if you love full throttle flavor, you're going to love our line of premium barbecue sauces and seasonings. Made with high quality ingredients, you can trust our products to punch up the flavor of your favorite meats, main dishes, and so much more. Get winning recipes and join our sauce squad at cookiesbbq.com. And remember, smart cookies use cookies. Welcome back to our special segment here on The Dirt Show brought to you by Cookies Barbecue Sauces and Seasonings. And as always, I'm joined by Speed the Sauce Man. And Speed, one thing I follow is Cookies Barbecue Sauces and Seasonings on Facebook. You have some tremendous recipes, and I spotted one that's right up my alley, and that is this cookie-style Italian sausage sandwiches. And the nice thing about it is you can use it as a sandwich, and you'll see when I get through giving the recipe, but I'll tell you what, you can also just dice them up into like half, three-quarter inch or inch pieces, bite-sized pieces, and put toothpicks in it and make a great appetizer as well. So without further ado, I will go right into the recipes. You take like a dozen Italian sausages, take a fork and poke a few holes in them, put them in a large skillet and dump a can of beer on top of them. Just bring it to a simmer and let it cook uncovered for about 10 or 15 minutes until the sausages hit the 165 degree internal temperature and then just drain them and then put the sausages, put them in a 9 by 13 baking dish. And then in the same skillet, take about, oh, I used to use about a cup of chopped up green peppers and a cup of chopped up onion and put about one or two tablespoons of oil in the skillet and heat that up through and heat those peppers and onions through. As soon as they just get tender, then I add a 26 ounce bottle of our tangy mustard. I like to use our tangy mustard barbecue sauce, but you can use any one of them that you happen to have sitting there. To that, add about a quarter of a cup of molasses and let that simmer through a little bit. And you can just throw it in an oven, like a 350-degree oven, for about a half an hour or so just to get it heated through. And then have some nice hoagie buns that you grilled them just a little bit. Or if you want to just nuke them, but just get them so they're nice and soft or steam them however you want to use it. But don't just take them cold and hard, put it that way. Put one of those Italian sausages in there and then pour that mixture of peppers and onions and barbecue sauce with the molasses in it over the top of it. I'll tell you what, that is so good. You talk about a tasty sandwich. Or you can also just take that thing and serve it over pasta. If you got some linguine or penne pasta cooked up, just serve it over that. And But I, if I'm going to do it over pasta, then I like to dice it up a little bit so it's smaller bite-sized pieces. But uh, you'll find yourself, after you dice it up in those small bite-sized pieces, you're sticking toothpicks in it and put more in your mouth than you are over the pasta. And Speed, now that you made everybody on the show hungry, where can they find Cookies Barbecue Sauces and Seasoning products? Cookies is available in all your finer stores. If they don't have it, it's not a finer store, and you shouldn't be in there shopping anyway. But we're 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 in all the Pivees and Fairways and a lot of the AWG stores. And you can also, of course, get it online at cookiesbbq.com. It's in a lot of the Baumgar stores. By the middle of April, it'll be in all the Menard stores. You shouldn't have any trouble finding it. It's also in a lot of the Walmarts as well. So just look for the old name, Cookies, C-O-O-K-I-E-S. And remember, smart cookies use cookies. So use the sauce America loves to eat. And remember, cookies, that is, 
and clean, have yourself a good one. Let Napa take the guesswork out of finding the right mix of fuel for your outdoor power equipment. This month, stop by your local Napa Auto Parts store or visit Napa online and pick up a 32-ounce container of ready-to-use, true fuel, engineered fuel and oil starting at just $6.99. Simply open and pour for the perfect mix every time. With true fuel, you'll keep your equipment running its best start after start. Valid at participating Napa Auto Parts stores or Napa online. Offer ends 430-2023 or while supplies last. See store for details. Napa, a proud sponsor of the dirt show working at my job going all day long don't want to go and mow my lawn picking up the phone book and what do i see i see wolf and sons can do it for me dandelions i don't want to spray free estimates are coming your way don't hesitate and learn about more call four five five and if you have some really big outside jobs, Wolf and Sons has the dump trucks, loaders, and graders you need to haul in driveway gravel, black dirt, and clear building sites. For 50 years, reuse and recycle is not a new concept to us. Miskin Auto Parts has been recycling your old vehicles since the Beatles were still together. Just call us and we'll send one of our friendly drivers right to you and haul away your old retired vehicle. Scrap prices are up, so it's a good time to clean up those unwanted vehicles and get money in your pocket. Give us a call at 507-684-2100 or online at Mizgin.com. Mizgin Auto Parts, in God we trust. If your classic isn't so classic, bring it into Auto Trim Design of Oatana. We can fix the upholstery, the carpet, replace a sagging headliner, make your old car look new again, make your seats comfortable again. Whether it's a classic car, work truck, boat, or anything else that moves, we can fix the upholstery and make your ride like new. And we work on convertibles. We're located in Otana at 3275 Old Highway 14, one mile west of Walmart. Welcome to the Dirt Track segment, brought to you by Cookies, Sauces, and Seasonings. Finally, there was racing in our area last weekend. You just had to go to the great state of Iowa to see it. Marshalltown Speedway was racing Friday night, April 7th, in the Sport Mods. Brayton Carter over Alec Fett in the Stock Cars. Troy Gervetz over Dan McEnthune in the Modifieds. Tim Ward over Todd Schutte in the Hobby Stocks. Calvin DeHaunt over Eric Knutson and in the Sport Compacts. Blake Driscoll over Kobe Sabin. 34 Raceway was also racing in Burlington, Iowa, invaded by the Sprint Invaders. 410 Wing Sprint Cars on Friday night, April 7th. It was Hunter Scherenberg over Parker Price Miller. And on Saturday night, April 8th, Austin McCarl over Corey Eliason. Boone Speedway was also racing on Saturday night, April 8th in the AMODs. Tim Ward over Todd Schutte in the Stock Cars. Troy Gervaretz over Josh Daniels in the Sport Mods. Braden Carter over Taylor Krell in the IMCA Hobby Stocks. Mike Smith over Kurt Reed. Hamilton County Speedway in Webster City, Iowa was also racing last Saturday night, April 8th. In the A-Modified A-Main, Aaron Benson over A.J. Hoff. In the Stock Cars, Bill Crimmins over Mitch Hovden. In the USRA B-Mods, Dan Hovden over Ty Griffith. In the Hobby Stocks, Dustin Gulbranson over Zach Smith. And in the Tuners, Levi Volkert over Tyler Crimmins. Hi, this is Harvey West, and you've been listening to The Dirt Show. See you at the races.